Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Podcast 15 is sponsored by WordSprint, your connection source. Hi, this is Paul Lemberg, and I want to welcome you to Orchestrating Success with Hugh Ballou. This podcast is all about ways to redefine leadership as a pathway to increasing your business or nonprofit income. Now, here's Hugh with today's session. This is interview number six in the Legacy Series. In this podcast, Orchestrating Success, Converting Passion to Profit, we think of profit as results in ways that are other ways than money. This one includes money. It includes ultimate success and being very vulnerable, very transparent, and including the team in the planning, in the energy field. This is quite a fascinating interview. And over many years of knowing Cal Turner, every time I speak with him, there are some amazing things that come out in the conversation. And for me, uh, listening to Cal Turner is a major paradigm shift. This is a very meaningful interview with my dear friend Cal Turner and his story about the legacy that he was responsible for creating with this business called Dollar General. Listen to this and see how you think orchestrating success converts wisdom to results. This is passion to profit, and profit has many facets. Enjoy this interview. This is Hugh Ballou. Welcome to this session. My special guest today is my dear friend, Cal Turner. Known Cal Turner, oh, probably about 10 years. And every time I, I talk with Cal, um, I should say the bottom line, he makes me think because he has some profound statements. Cal Turner um, was president and CEO of Dollar General and uh, took it public. And Cal has very astute observations about leadership. Cal, welcome to this interview today. Thank you for being my guest. Thank you, Hugh. Being here is wonderful. Um, the topic is sustainability and creating legacy. And before we get there, talk about your, your leadership in Dollar General. And um, you told me a little story about you going to your managers and saying you got it because you were the son of the founder. And you asked them to play into the space and then your, uh, your foundation. So tell us a little bit about your background and how you approach leadership, if you will. Well, thank you, Hugh. Um, leadership, I believe, may start with the uh, leader establishing himself with his supposed followers. And I wanted them to know that I intended to share the leadership agenda with them. 
Mm-hmm. And um, I, I tried to make me real as a person with them by poking fun at myself. I'm here because I'm the boss's son. And that's not good, is it? You know, boss spelled backwards is double S-O-B. That's right. <laughs> no one cares for the boss. Now, what about the boss's son? That must be worse. So clearly, if we all are to succeed, I need your help. You understand this business enterprise. You experience all of the problems and opportunities faced by this business enterprise and have creativity that we need to tap in how to move forward, how we can all move to for- forward together. Mm-hmm. I need your help. And by the way, you have my commitment that success will be shared. If you really come on board and be part of this, success will be shared. That's pretty much it. Uh, was that a poignant or pregnant pause? I was um, reflecting on that. The, the, the uh, summary you had given me when you, <clears throat> you first shared that was that <clears throat> leadership is about defining one's gaps and finding competent people to fill those gaps. And you also went on to tell me that um, you were very transparent. And if you hadn't been, it would have been a very different and negative dynamic. And so. Well, um, it indeed is about defining the gaps and establishing partnerships to do something about them. And, I needed first to establish um, a strategic inquiry in our company. I needed everyone to be interested in uh, exploring together our gaps. Now, first, I thought I had to admit my gaps. Mm-hmm. And I did that by this boss's son uh, discussion I would have for their hearing. I'm here because I'm the boss's son. I've tried to do most of the jobs in this company that all of you do and have discovered that I'm good at none of them. But that gives me a sense of awe in my respect for your ability to do them. Not only do I respect your ability to do them, I respect your discernment about what the problems are, how they happen in the first place, and the ability of all of us to come together to fix problems for the benefit of all of us. And I'd like for us to to go at that. We have to be honest first. Mm-hmm. And, and we as a company need not to 
tell the boss what the boss wants to hear. The boss, if he is a leader or she, really wants your iteration of the truth. What is the truth as you see it? And I hope for us to have relationships where you feel free to disclose that. You're not playing the political game of trying to figure out the boss so you know what to tell the boss that will uh, be what he wants or she wants. You and I were talking as we were preparing for this interview about the writing of Richard Rohr, R-O-H-R, and Richard has been talking recently about the true self and false self. And what you just described is in essence what that is. The true self is, as Paul says in the Bible, speak the truth in love. <clears throat> and um, what you modeled is what is reflected in the culture. And as you remember, I spent 40 years as a musical conductor, and the, the orchestra choir very much models the conductor. And I write about that and transform that in the corporate culture. And so you set the bar right there for that honesty that you, and as it's the way you acted, we can really say anything we want if we don't um, respond with integrity, with authenticity and model and practice what we preach, the culture is going to come back. And you said to me as a postscript to that, if I hadn't admitted and been transparent about my gaps, they would prove to me that I didn't, that I had those gaps and I wasn't being honest with them. So yes. you, you nipped that in the bud by being direct right away. Yes. Yes. And um, that was my modeling um, um, the, um, the dealing with truth that I was trying to do that I hoped they would consider for themselves and their work and their lives. Part of sustainability, we're talking about leaving a legacy and part of sustainability, and you, you went on from that to the work you're now doing with the, the Turner Family Foundation. Is that the right name? I'm... Yes, the Cal um, Turner Family Foundation. Cal yes. Turner Family Foundation. And so um, we're talking about legacy, but underpinning that is, is sustainability. How do we create something that a model that's sustainable? And um, so speak to the leadership piece of that, if you will, please. Well, <clears throat> I think the key word in your question was how do we? <laughs> now, is that an honest we or is that I in disguise? How do I do that? Mm -hmm. if, if you're honest in asking the question, how do we do this? Then you're more likely on your way to creating the sustainability and the legacy you seek. Mm -hmm. It's not about the leader. In fact, um, I'd, believe leadership, um, certainly in the Richard Rohr sense also, uh, would more likely be defined as followership. And 
it is whom you follow that defines your leadership. Mm-hmm. And um, legacy and sustainability are um, perhaps largely about my not being here someday. And maybe I, as a leader, should consider diminishing my role and expanding theirs mm-hmm. in order to provide for that future event of my absence. You had on something in that last part you talked about. Um, it's, it's not about me. Autocratic leadership, charismatic leadership, it's about me. Transformational leadership is a system and it's about the vision and really elevating leaders within that culture. I, um, I define that with clients I work with, whether it's a business or a charity or a church, as uh, creating a new architecture of, le- of culture, a new architecture of, of how we function together, a new architecture of, of how we approach this, this sustainability. And that is impacted by the leader or it's, it's squelched by the leader. I just finished doing a one-day leadership empowerment symposium in 19 cities. I've got 10 more on the books coming up. Um, Nashville's not on my radar yet, but I hope it will be at some point. I find at, at the beginning of each of these, it's designed to give people systems. And to me, leadership is a system, a culture, as well as a skill to lead that culture. I've asked people at the beginning of every one of those, what are the issues you want to make sure we deal with today? Number one, number one across all of them is leader burnout. Number two is board and volunteer underfunctioning. And number three, lack of sufficient recurring revenue to accomplish their vision and mission. Now, speak to those. I believe those are all subsets of leadership, of the leader. We set those up as a leader, don't we? Um, I believe we do. Um, that is a lot to unpack, Hugh. <laughs> 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 you, you, you devil, that's a lot. Um, leader burnout. Well, when we were talking about um, the leader acknowledges that it's not about me. He has to explore what he or she means by that. Mm-hmm. So in order to minimize me, we have to understand what I am. I have to understand what I am and who I am. But if I'm a leader, I largely have to define whose I am. Mm. And I am more empowered to get on with it's not being about me. And the less it is about me, I think, the less likely there is to be burnout. Love it. Now, I don't want it to be about me. I've always, 
I've always wanted um, my values to um, unite the thinking and effort of all of us because I want them to be shared values. And the leader um, should largely talk about values and what's important to all of us that we can get excited together about. Mm -hmm. um, that's a good antidote for burnout. If we, if we all are propelled by the same motor, then um, that motor doesn't burn out as much <laughs> as, as, it, as it might. Mm -hmm. And um, we can help each other to take care of it too. Um, and so what we aspired to do was to say, um, first of all, we're going to do our strategic planning. We're going to try to define um, mission and vision. Well, we can't do that, can we, with, if we don't talk about the values that are important to all of us. Mm -hmm. And what are those values? Let's state them as a group so that we can understand them together and use them as issues come up in our work to help us to take care of the culture of this organization because these are, are what will do that, these values. So we finally resolved on a two-word mission statement which was beautiful in that everybody could remember it <laughs> love it love it two word mission statement serving others whoa now that differentiates you from uh, a large the largest constituency of all that seeks to serve self seeks to serve that company seeks to serve that government entity, seeks to serve whatever, but it's about others. And what is our greatest contribution to them? Now, it didn't say service, which implies you do it and then go on to something else. Hmm. It's an ongoing verb. It should motivate us every day of our life to figure out that day's agenda of serving others. And uh, it was, it was, those were the two words that really got our company going. And you can uh, spot the person who is um, amenable, uh, governable by serving others. Mm -hmm. uh, when, when someone is in it for self, it doesn't take you too long to know that you don't have 
strategic commonality with that person. And you need strategic commonality of your leader and his or her um, persons. He doesn't have, they don't have, you don't have people as a leader. You have persons and everybody's unique. Everybody's one of a kind. Love it. And you, you, you can be enriched by diversity and sometimes you feel damned by it. (laughs) (laughs) But you need it. You need it. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's so we, um, we as leaders happened to the sound. Did it to you also? I'm, I'm here to have you. Can you hear me? Okay. Um, yeah, you're not on the speaker here, but that, that's all right. I can hear you well enough. Pete. All right. Um, that's pretty profound. Um, one of the things I um, have noticed ever since I've known you is that um, you're a very active listener, both with your ears and with your eyes. And um, that to me is a primary leadership skill. And you, you listen and then you think, and then you respond. So I can imagine the situation with you talking to your managers and um, you, you listening and acting and, and based on their response and you observing. So um, I, that's really a skill set that more leaders ought to employ, the active listening both orally and visually. What do you think? <laughs> that is the the crux of the leadership dynamic, whether you can listen to others, whether you can listen to yourself. Um, Listening is so much more than just waiting your turn to speak. What are you doing in the, the time, um, before speaking, what are you doing? Are you thinking about uh, what you're going to say or are you trying hard to take in what the other person said and what he or she might mean by that and could both of you perhaps pursue um, that question that's in the background of words used by the other person. What is the question? What is that question? Um, I'm fascinated by questions, Uh and especially when they lead to answers by others who would implement the answer. Wow. That's what you're trying to do as a leader. Uh-huh. And you're trying to listen your um, cons- your persons or your people into better questions. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, and it, so you don't, <laughs> in fact, you <laughs> excuse Excuse my vernacular, but but I've said I certainly do not consider myself 
uh, repository of answers, but a suppository of questions. Questions that get the flow going, questions that challenge. Um, I'm, I'm challenged by the questions of life. Um, and any leader uh, should uh, help uh, others to uh, explore that challenge. What is, in, in the life of this organization, what, what, is, what is our organization about? What, um, what are our real opportunities? What would you feel good about our doing for the customer together? What is the greatest need of the customer, the meeting of which would ring our chime? What is that? Um, we have, we're, whatever enterprise we're in, mm -hmm. we're a unique organization, so we don't have to model ourselves after the competition. Oh. What, what if we uh, aspired to um, define the customer pool on our unique creativity. What, what would we feel most fulfilled about if we could meet that need of the customer? Now, the more you help each other to experience fulfillment, the less you're burned out. It comes from others. Yeah. There may be burnout where someone like me might be trying to do too much myself. But relax, Cal, you're not God. <laughs> and you're not even God of this organization, even if you are the boss's son. Yeah. 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 The, the principle you're, you're, describing to me is collaborative culture. And I find that a whole lot of leaders, um, especially clergy, don't know how to do that. There's a, there's a control piece and there's an insecurity piece. And, and the, 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 the dynamic that you described, which I love, is I'm not the answer man. I'm the question person. And that way you're, you're teaching people to think and you're, if you answer all the questions, that's over-functioning. And as Murray Bowen, we talked about Murray Bowen's work, that he describes the, the antithesis of that is under-functioning, the reciprocity. If you answer all the questions, then you're teaching people they got to come to you for the answers. So you're putting yourself in that bottleneck. So we've created that burnout. We've also created, by our lack of effective leadership, we've created dependency and under-functioning staff, board, volunteers in the, in the culture. So we actually set up the problems by not doing the kinds of things that you're inviting people to think about doing. Um, am I tracking with you? You are indeed. What are, are there some other ways that leaders get in the way? I, I tell leaders, do their vision, mission, write their objectives and their, their tasks, and then empower people and get out of their way. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. 
<laughs> it's hard well, for people to do, though. It's that's hard. profound, and, and indeed, it isn't. It isn't that easy to do. <laughs> I think. I think you can. You can get out of the way of other people if you try to get over yourself a little bit. Oh, that's big. <laughs> I love get it. Get over yourself. Get over yourself. <laughs> get, get excited about helping your people. And um, if, you, if you have the reputation of wanting to help them, then they might ask how they need to be helped. And they might ask deeper questions of what's needed here. If if they know if they know you seek to serve the customer, and as leader you want to serve them as the way of of eventually serving the customer, then you're throwing the ball back into their court and um and i had already said i respect how you will play the ball i what you do uh, i'm amazed at because i've tried to do it and i'm not good at it you are i respect that love it now what are your issues and how can we explore the the next best answer step to take um sometimes we try to figure out the whole problem when uh, if we have the right leadership culture we could figure out the next best step in route to the achievement of our vision. What's the next thing? What's the next thing to do? We don't, we don't have to get all the way to the answer today, um, but um, what gets us working toward an answer together? And could we perhaps share um, milestones together so that we can all see how we can help each other to move along better together. Uh, we used to call our uh, planning, uh, planning on the run. Uh, <laughs> because we, we do our planning and we'd all understand what we were, where we were starting and we'd all have a sense of the of the eventual end uh, of the, and the eventual success we see. So we'd, we'd understand where we're starting and where we all hope eventually to end. And we're gonna come together to take steps together that'll move us along the, the pathway um, better. And we're going to have to learn as we go. Um, you can't figure everything out now. There, stuff is going to happen. <laughs> and, 
and you you need to be honest with each other about what the stuff is so you can help each other. And Hugh, you've heard me talk about the change in mindset of my father's generation in the business and mine uh-huh. uh, as to uh, guilt and blame when something would go wrong. Mm-hmm. My father would say, who did that? And I would say, I'm not going to tell you. And he'd say, do you know? I'd say, yes. Well, tell me. I'm not going to tell you. We're not going to ask that question anymore. Uh. Our question isn't about who. Our question will be about what. What happened? And who needs to come together mm-hmm. to fix it? And that is a major shift. And uh, Richard Rohr's uh, concept of non-dualistic thinking, I think, largely moves the uh, the blame. It 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 at least um, um, helps everyone to come together more creatively to respond to problems, issues, and gaps than asking the question, who would ever do? When you say, who did it? You're going to draw a line in the sand between you and the other person. Yeah, yeah. The, um, it's a shift. If you look at the world through that filter, mm-hmm. you're amazed at the the who we we define um, human potential by its packaging. Oh, you are a conservative or a liberal. Um, you're um, you're a fat cat, a rich fat cat, or you're you're. Um, uh, a poor struggling somebody or other. Well, everyone is the child of God who wants to be part of something that matters. And the leader helps that to happen. That's a great statement. That's a great statement. As we're sort of approaching the landing strip here, um, I want to want to focus for a minute and get your thoughts on how, uh, leadership impacts the revenue. I encourage, um, when I work with 501c3 organizations, I encourage, I encourage them to think of the word nonprofit as a tax classification, not a philosophy of operations. And um, revenue, and many, I work with a lot of startup or early stage uh, entrepreneurs um, or charities, and they think money is going to fix everything. And I say money is a magnifier. If, if you don't have systems, it's going to magnify what's wrong and create the negative effect. So money, focusing on money is not the answer. However, as you've, you and I have talked about over the years, it's a result of really good systems and serving your, your customer. You know, there's a resultant that, that brings in a blessing of revenue so you can do more of it. So leaders are in the way. We, we, we block this, this thing of happening that, that feeds us. It's like we build a car, but we haven't put gas in it, so we can't go anywhere. So speak about the leader role in enabling or blocking um, that to happen. Well, um, 
blocking what happening, Hugh? Blocking revenue. The revenue. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Revenue. Well, um, the. Um, or enabling money, it. Either way, either side. Is, either either side. Money is never. Money is never the problem. Where a. Um, strategic need is being met by persons who buy into the same vision. The, the money doesn't lead, it follows. Mm. It doesn't answer. Uh, it results from persons coming together to work on the answer. And it's um, it's more of a scorecard than it is a success uh, attainment. Mm. It'll happen. It'll happen if you and your people are united and you're really doing something that makes a difference together. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, <laughs> how do you generalize about money? Well, um, that's, um, that's kind of hard. Uh, that's kind of hard to do. But uh, I guess that's my best shot. It's well, and you've made a dollar too. You've been successful, and you've employed the leadership principles. Um, I am I, um, experienced leaders, and I'm not exempt from any of this. Um, in getting in the way, they get in the way of the people leading. They get in the way of the mission and vision. They get in the way of creating sustainable revenue. And there's lots of reasons that people get in the way. So as, but that, what you gave me there, what you gave our listeners is very astute. Um, as we're leaving the center for you. you have, let me interrupt. You. Um, yes. One, one, one comment on that. I've heard yes. people say where there's no money, there's no mission. Mm -hmm. Well, um, perhaps where there's no mission, there's no money. Uh huh. Uh -huh. So, um, you're talking about what isn't there. The money's not there, but the money is absent because the mission is absent. That is, that creates the absence of the money. A mission is something that inspires others to achieve. It meets a real need that, that tugs at your heart and your pocketbook will follow. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That statement is, is reported in not as direct a way in the writing of Napoleon Hill, who interviewed all of these, these capitalists in his era, the Carnegie's. Grow rich. Yeah. Carnegie's and, and Rockefeller's and Edison, Emerson, Ford, Wanamaker, presidents. 
they, they had definite as a purpose. That's your mission. They had a group around them. They brought something good to the world. Now, looking back, they, some of them were kind of heavy-handed with that. But they also surrounded themselves with like-minded people who wanted to change things. So that's, that's consistent. And really, he says he lists attributes of wealth and money is the last one. And he made a point of saying that's the last one. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, and um, I would, I might um, um, alter the words a little bit from like-minded people to like-missioned. Yeah. 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 Very good. I'll, I, I welcome that, that addition. So as we're departing um, and we've got, I meet lots and lots. I had conversations with a hundred entrepreneurs last week. I was at a business growth conference called CEO space and I had uh, interviews with a hundred people and there was not a bad vision, not a bad idea, not a bad idea of what the mission ought to be. They didn't have it as clear, but they had passion for something that would change people's lives. They didn't have a structure underneath it. And uh, I think the law of averages, Jim Rohn used to teach this, that 3% of the people will actually do something about it. So for those people out there that, that have the germ of an idea, they've got a vision for something, they haven't put together the pieces you've talked about to empower it, what advice would you have for people that have a passion for making a difference in people's lives? And what would you say to them as a leader? What would be your advice to them? Well, um, I hope it's not your passion for them. I hope it's their passion for themselves that you help them achieve. Um, I may... I may have a higher mission and purpose in mind for you, Hugh Ballou, than you have. Mm -hmm. But we're not on board yet for your accomplishing anything. What is your highest purpose that I can help you to achieve? Really good. You know, you don't need a lot of words to make impact. I love that. I love that. Cal Turner, um, I interviewed you years ago for a book and you got so excited, you decided you'd write your own book. You wrote it with um, Howard Oles. What was the name of that book? Led to Follow. Live to Follow. And Led, L-E-D. Led to Follow. Okay. And they can find that. A leader, a leader is one who is led to follow. <laughs> I, uh, it's a brilliant book. You sent me a copy when it was published, and I believe people can find it on Amazon. I think so. Cal Turner, Howard Olds. Uh, that's, that's a wonderful book. Thank you for sharing your wisdom with us, and uh, I'm grateful for our friendship and all that I've learned over the years. And so thank you so much for today's interview. Thank you, Hugh. I enjoy our chewing on the questions together. Me too. Thank you so much. Today's podcast is sponsored by our friends at WordSprint. Go to wordsprint.com and get a free consultation about how WordSprint can deliver your message, the right message to the right person in the right rhythm to maintain your client engagement, to maintain your donor base. It's important to build and maintain relationships with your tribe. Wordsprint.com. Go look at their site. 
log on and request a free consultation and tell them you heard that on this podcast. This is Hugh Ballou recommending WordSprint. Thanks for listening today to the Orchestrating Success Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes to stay focused on ways to redefine leadership and increase your profit. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.